Welcome to the podcast of Destiny Community Church. So, hey, it is so great to be with you guys today. Um, if I could uh, talk the entire time about Rocky and Mandy, I, I would, um, but I want to get into the Word here in just a few minutes. But before I do, of course, there's a few things. One of the, the memories that stands out, there, there are moments in your life where you have uh, uh, things that people leave an impact on you, and there are moments of, of trauma, that right in the middle of trauma, those things like imprint in your brain. And uh, the, the, the thing that stands out whenever I hear Rocky, especially every time I wake up, I, I think of Rocky. And that's what, what the kind of impact this man had on me. He knows what's coming. I saw him. We were at youth camp. And youth camp is one of those places where you stay up real late working and, and then talking and then staying up even later. And uh, you got to be up real early to get things ready for the students. So here we are uh, uh, doing our youth camp thing. I'm going to set that down right there so it's not in the way. But uh, I'm sitting down on a, a recliner just to rest my eyes for a moment, just a moment, and uh, in, uh, it, it slip off into sleep, and all of a sudden I'm awakened violently by uh, a, an air horn, and I jumped up out of... See, Rocky didn't realize at the time that uh, I wake up violently. Um, my wife knows she learned a long time ago if I fall asleep during the day She comes along and just kind of pats me and then gets back um, But in that moment I woke up violently. I, I came up out of the chair I think I kicked a trash can across the room They were videoing it to get my reaction and I think that video has since been deleted uh, because of my reaction, but uh <laughs> So now every time I, I I'm startled awake, I'm looking for Rocky but uh, seriously, our, our paths crossed because we grew up in the same, running in the same circles, and, and there was some, some music involved there. Um, the first opportunity that I got to actually be involved with music with Rocky, we sang at youth camp. Uh, he was leading that week, and, and I got to sing with him, so that was, that was incredible. Um, a few years after that, he was in youth ministry at, at University Church of God in Tampa. I had the, the pleasure to follow him in that role and, and stepped in and be able to see firsthand how he and Mandy uh, did things with excellence and, and you know, first class. Uh, they, they left there to come here and, and plant destiny, and you guys have, have reaped the benefits ever since. Uh, God has been glorified through what he's done in their lives here, and I'm, I'm so grateful that they're... Uh, that they have asked me to be here today. Now, there was one thing in between all of those musically that, that took place, and I'm, I'm excited to uh, share with you. Did you guys know that, that Pastor Rocky is actually a songwriter? <laughs> he is. So, see, there was, this, uh, th there was this discipleship retreat called Encounter. And Rocky had a young man in his youth ministry back then who is now a successful musician in Nashville. Many of you know Phil Nitz. Uh, and Phil and Rocky wrote this song together. And, and he's, you know, he, he groaned when, when uh, I mentioned it, but it's actually a good song. So I want to just kind of share this song with you guys this morning.
Cause you're more than just a friend Lord, you are my Savior We've come into this place Seeking your face Now more than just a glimpse we need an encounter and if i wanted the sun i would pray for light and if i wanted the stars i would pray for night but all these can pass away because my heart's still empty my spirit's longing to know you more and you've been waiting a glimpse we need an encounter cause you're more than just a friend Lord you are my Savior we've come into this place see He is a bit of a songwriter. He can do it. Um, but you see, the, because part of that, that time in my life, one of the reasons that that stands out to me is because that song ministered to me in a time when I was in need of an encounter with God. It wasn't just about my youth at the time. It was about me needing an encounter with God. In fact, uh, there was a, a uh, FILA conference, a group of youth leaders, Florida Youth Leaders Association conference that was hosted at the uh, uh, University Church of God at the time. And, and I was able to, to go to that. It's the first one of those that I'd ever been to. And I was at a place in my ministry where I was ready to walk away. Um, not from ministry altogether, but I, I was just frustrated in my situation and, and I had an opportunity to go to another state and do a different ministry position, working more with music. As you can tell, it didn't pan out. Um, but uh, um, so uh, I went to this conference and during that conference, Rocky, uh, whether he knew it or not, really sowed a seed in my life and and showed me some things and opened up some gifts inside me that I didn't even realize. And, and over the next few years, uh, I was able to grow and, and, and develop into the leader that God had called me to be. And, and uh, through that time then and, and since, both he and Mandy have been incredible uh, blessings to our lives. In fact, so has the entire church here today. So I'm thanking you guys for, for what you do and through your great leadership. Um, so that way... Uh, I want to 
talk about friendship in the Bible. From, from this point forward, I, I'm going to pepper it with Rocky, but I do want to bring this into the Word of God. And when I think about friendship in the Bible, I'm always drawn to David and Jonathan. Uh, the life of David connects with most people because David is, is relatable. David is my favorite Old Testament character. My middle name is David, so as a little kid, I began to study the stories of David and always loved to read about him. And, and I see myself in David's life, and while I've never faced a lion or a bear or a giant, none of us have ever faced a lion or a bear or a giant like David did, um, that doesn't mean that our problems that we do face aren't any more real. They're big problems to me because they're my problems. They're big problems to you because they're your problems. And what I want us to see in the middle of all of this is that while our lives may be chaotic, there have to be places and people who keep us sane in the middle of all that craziness. There has to be someone to be that constant in our lives. There, there's times when we feel like we've got a gallon of crazy being poured into a nine-ounce coffee cup. And what happens when you pour a gallon of crazy into a nine-ounce cup is it splashes and gets all over everybody. And the, you, you might not have had that crazy poured into you, but you've been around somebody, and that crazy just kind of gets everywhere. But David's life at this time is one of its most stressful points. Saul's trying to kill him. Um, actually, six times Saul would try to kill David. You know, talk about crazy. David's life is full of drama. And in some ways, our lives are similar. We, we can't seem to find a few days of peace without something coming up. As soon as we sit down and take a breath and think things are going to be easier, there's always someone trying to distract us. You know, it's kind of like Thanos at the beginning of Endgame. He just wants to have breakfast, and these pesky Avengers show up. And Too soon? Okay, never mind. But in the middle of this nonstop drama, we have this one friendship that would become, for David, a very safe place. And in the madness of our lives, friendship is the one thing that we have that keeps us stable. It's something that, that we, can, we should see it as a gift, and it helps us to feel human. It helps us to feel a little bit more normal, because between all the pressure and all the drama, it's this friendship in David's life that becomes his refuge. So let's first make sure we're on the same page as far as who, is, who a friend really is. Um, if you're, you're in, connected to social media and you have a lot of friends on Facebook or social media, uh, uh, Instagram, Twitter, whatever you're preferred, um, those aren't necessarily friends just because they're friends there. And we know this, but there are some that, that think that because that has called a friend on Facebook that you have so many friends, you... you have a false sense of what a friend really is. You go to church with somebody, you know them, well, they're your friend. And you work with someone, well, that's my work friend. There's someone that you know through someone else, well, they're my friend. And we have taken that word friend and we've diluted it. There are acquaintances, there are people who, here's the thing, if you go to DCC, you're family with each other. So, so there's a connection here that I've, I've seen and I've known about for years. But I'm talking about true friendship here. Not everyone is your friend. And there's an example in 1 Samuel 18 of what a true friend actually is. There's this moment where David and Jonathan will have this, this moment of recognition with each other where they see each other uh, as genuine friends. They are soul friends. And in verse 1 there it says, As soon as he had finished speaking to Saul, the soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David. And Jonathan loved him as his own soul. What a beautiful definition of friendship. Now, before we get back to that, I, want, did, I think, was the title slide up there? Let me see. Soul Friends. Inside joke there. Um, Rocky uh, kind of looks like Moe's. Oh. Aww. 
But here's a beautiful definition of friendship. It, 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 what it is is it's actually loving somebody else, another human being, as much as you love your own soul. Going to verse 3, it says, Then Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as his own soul. And Jonathan stripped himself of the robe that was on him and gave it to David in his armor, even his sword and his bow and his belt. And David went out and was successful wherever Saul sent him. I'm of the mindset that if it were not for this friendship between Jonathan and David, David could not have become as successful as he was. In Jonathan, he finds a place, a safe place where he can be himself. Because David and Jonathan come from different worlds. David is a shepherd boy who lives out in, in the fields, and he's, he's someone who's good in isolation and obscurity. Jonathan is the heir apparent. He's, he had more reason than anyone else to, to be jealous of David because he was next in line. But Jonathan wasn't threatened by David. In fact, he loves David so much that he's willing to give David the things that are most dear to him. He puts on him his robe. And, and in that symbolic gesture, the robe was a symbol of authority. Wherever he went, people would know Jonathan's robe and they would say, oh, David's wearing Jonathan's robe. That's a, that's a big deal. Listen to how David describes his friendship. This is after Jonathan's death in 2 Samuel uh, 1.26. It says, I am distressed for you, my brother Jonathan. Very pleasant have you been to me. Your love to me was extraordinary, surpassing the love of women. Now, let me, of course, say here, I don't think this text is saying at all that they have a romantic relationship. But what it is, is they have a friendship that surpasses anything else. See, David had wives. David had a number of wives, and he had a whole lot of drama with the women in his life. He didn't have that with Jonathan. His, his and Jonathan's relationship was such that it didn't suffer from that. So that is how it surpassed the love of women because it was something, a safe place for him. We're living in a culture where friendship is desperately undervalued. And I believe it happens even within the church. We're indiv individualistic in the church. I'm better on paper than out here. <laughs> we are individualistic in the church. There's so much focus on our personal relationship with Jesus, which is very important, that we end up neglecting relationship with friends. I'm not diminishing Jesus in this at all. Without Jesus, all the rest of it is pointless. So we have our relationship with Jesus, but we have to have relationships with each other, with friends. We're at a critical time where people in the world and in the church are extremely lonely. And what we need is we need to have someone who we can trust as a real friend, because here's the thing about a real friend. A real friend makes you feel at ease with yourself. That's something that anytime I'm around Rocky and Mandy, I don't have to put up a front. I don't have to pretend to be somebody I'm not because they know <laughs> they were with me when, when I was this and they were with me when I was that. And, and uh, yes, Andrew mentioned that I was uh, mayor of the city of Frostproof and my term expired and it couldn't have happened any faster. Um, but, but that's the thing. If, if Rocky wants to, he can go around telling people, well, I know a mayor. Rocky, actually, I, I'm, I'm confident Rocky could be the mayor of Newberry if, if he wanted to. He'd have to live in the city limits, though. But I used to think that, that I was a pretty good friend to other people when I was growing up. I used to, 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 as I was coming up in ministry. But we moved around a lot when I was growing up, and, and I was changing schools every year or two until I was in eighth grade. I was in high school before I had anybody that I would say would be a best friend. Uh, so being in a ministry family and going to youth camp every year and camp meeting I would have these encounters where I would try to be friendly to everybody It wasn't anything too deep, but it was just being friendly with everyone and what ended up happening was I found myself alone I found being okay by myself. 
I would be surface friends with enough people that, that enough people knew who I was, but no one really knew me. And as long as I had books, I would be okay. I would go and, and, and be alone. But eventually that would come back to bite me when I would go to things like this the next year, or I would see someone out in public and I'm like, hey, man, they'd come up to me, Rodney, how you doing? And I'm like, hey, man, how, how, how's it been? And I realized they were a better friend to me than I was to them. And it got to where I could generally identify people and I would try to connect it. You know, and and, and it's, it's embarrassing for me to admit, but that's the kind of, of, of fake friend that I was. When I would see them and I would know, okay, they know me from, from youth camp. Hey, man, how's it been since camp? And they would fill it in. And, you know, I wanted to be there for everyone. I, I wanted to be the, the good friend for everybody. But friendship doesn't allow you to do that. See, the strange thing about trying to be there for everyone is that you end up not being with friends with anyone in particular because you're trying to spread yourself out to be there for everybody. Friendship demands things from different people. It requires vulnerability and availability that at the time I really wanted to avoid. I didn't want people to see the real me. That was, that was my facade. That was deep down. I didn't want anybody to know what was going on there. But now I'm in a season of my life where I'm not willing to sacrifice somebody on the altar of everybody. I'm not willing to, to damage a friendship because everybody else, uh, I want to please all the people. And that's something I did learn from politics. You can never make everybody happy. You did politics and ministry together. I'm a, I, was, I am a pastor and I was a politician. I don't get invited to many parties. <laughs> politics and religion. Let's invite Rodney. No. So for the next few minutes... I want to talk to you about some practical applications on friendship. The first one is this. I call it the Grover Principle. Remember Sesame Street? I loved Grover, but I remember uh, watching a, one about Grover one time. Grover had some friends that were getting letters in the mail, and Grover was jealous because he wasn't getting any letters in the mail. And, and he had these friends that taught him a valuable lesson. In order to get letters from people, you have to write letters to people. If you write letters, they're going to write you back. So Grover sends letters to people, and he sees that some of them begin to write him back. Now that seems simple, and it's also from a different time. How, when's the last time you actually sent a letter in the mail to somebody? But it stuck with me, even as a child, that it takes effort. We have to be able to reach out in order to get back. It requires effort on our part. I can't just sit around and wait on it to happen. As basic as it might be, I feel like that's where many people miss out on authentic friendships because we're waiting on people to discover us. That, I, I lived that life for way too long. It was, you know, I'm, I have a lot to offer somebody, but I don't want to be that guy that puts myself out there. So people just need to come and get to know me. And I thought that I was being humble by not putting myself out there. But what I was doing was I was being closet, uh, uh, just egotistic. And it was terrible. And I ended up finding myself alone. So you have the Grover principle where you put yourself out there first. The second thing is that we need to pray for the gift of recognition. That's what's beautiful about this text is that there's a moment when Jonathan recognizes something in, about David that it feels familiar to him. He recognizes something within David and that's, that's what helps bring them together. You ever have that family uh, friend or, or loved one that, that you never realize how much you loved them and how much they meant to you until they're gone? That's a difficult thing. My, my mother, my grandmother passed away a few years ago and I was talking to my mother about it the other day and she said I picked up the phone to call mom and ask her a question the other day. It's been eight years or so since my grandmother passed. You don't realize how much you love somebody until they're gone. 
We need to pray for the gift of recognition so that we can see people's value when they're present and we can take advantage of that in a good way. We can make them feel important because they are. You may be thinking, I don't have these kind of friends in my life. And my response would be is you probably do, you just don't realize that they are. You haven't recognized them as being that kind of friend. When you become aware of the people that God has already sent into your life and you make yourself open to bless them, that's when beautiful things begin to happen. One of my favorite authors, C.S. Lewis, says this of friendship. Friendship arises when two or more companions discover that they have in common some insight or interest or taste that others do not share until that moment, each believed to be his own unique treasure or burden. It's a typical thing that, that when, when you connect like that with somebody, you're like, what, you too? I thought I was the only one. You know, it, it's Rocky finds a new friend and says, oh, you're a Celtics fan too? I thought I was the only one. And that guy goes, you are, I'm not. <laughs> oh, that's okay. They'll win that NBA championship again sometime. Just not this year. But it could be something relatively shallow about culture, like a taste or, or a hobby that you share. It might be a common fear. It, it, it's something that, that you connect with somebody else because they have the same fears that you do. It might be a hope or a dream, and you find them along the way to what God has for you, and your paths merge because you have a similar uh, goal in mind, or God has placed you on a similar path. But it's opening up enough to realize that there's someone else that's in this same storm as you. Someone else understands what you're going through. And it's that moment of recognition that's important. We recognize people. I look down and I, I recognize Scott. I've known Scott since, uh, uh, goodness, since he was probably in, in uh, uh, high school at, in Plant City. I recognize Andrew. It's been, I don't want to say how many years, because he was talking about all the stories. I could tell him too. <laughs> I remember when he had hair. Oh, 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 <laughs> that's okay, that's okay, we were, we were talking this morning, yeah, see, it's, Rocky's not getting it all this morning, somebody else is going to get it too, we were talking this morning about how, uh, you know, I'm, I'm now over 40, and Andrew's pretty close to 40, and, and uh, I'm like, well, yeah, I, I was glad to turn 40, because then um, it was okay for me to feel as, as old as I do, and uh, he, he's not there yet, but that's okay, when he gets there, then people will say, oh, that's why he's bald, he's over 40. He told me a long time ago, he said, some people have beautiful head and some people God put hair on it to cover it up. I'm like, whatever works for you, buddy. But you're able to look, a real friend is able to look and really recognize somebody. You recognize their soul. You recognize them for who they really are and recognizing what is truest about them, what is deepest about them. And we need to recognize the truth in other people and confirm that with them so that, that they know that they're not alone. It's not just about me knowing that there's someone else like me. It's also making that connection with them so that they don't feel alone and they know who they are. Number three, make yourself vulnerable to another human being. And that sounds pretty simple. That's kind of a, a, a no-brainer. Well, yeah, you need to make yourself vulnerable, but there are too many people who want to have friendships but keep the facade up. They want to have friendships, but I'm going to keep you this far. And those friendships are shallow and superficial. I want to connect with you, but I only want to connect this much. And that's not how true friendship works. In 1 Samuel 20, we see David and Jonathan's friendship grow and blossom to the point where Jonathan is willing to take on the brunt of his father's wrath in order to save David. 
it gets so difficult that they have to communicate in code just to make sure that each other are okay. And by the time we get to the end of that part of the text in verse 41, it says, As soon as the boy had gone, David rose from behind the stone heap and fell on his face to the ground and bowed three times. And they kissed one another and wept with one another, David weeping the most. Then Jonathan said to David, Go in peace, because we have sworn both of us in the name of the Lord, saying, The Lord shall be between me and you and between my offspring and your offspring forever. There's something beautiful about these two warrior guys these two guys just weeping with each other. We know David, it was his warrior uh, legacy had been talked about. Songs had been written about how amazing a warrior David was. And it would only grow when he would leave and, and his mighty men would come around. Jonathan was not just some uh, uh, palace dweller that didn't do anything. Jonathan was the kind of man who, who took the initiative to climb up a mountain and slay some Philistines when... when the rest of the, the army of the Israelites were, were afraid to. Jonathan and his armor bearer went up and did it. So these are two men who had proven themselves in battle, yet there's this beautiful moment between them. Their souls are so exposed to each other that the prospect the other might be harmed moves them emotionally. And it's a beautiful illustration of the type of emotional commitment that's required to make a good friendship work. But you have to be willing to open yourself up. You have to be vulnerable in this way. You can't have a real friendship until you put yourself in the position where you can be hurt. Here's the thing. With me and Rocky, he's my friend. You know why? Because we've been in a position where he's seen the darkest side of me. He's seen the, the difficult times with me and he's still there. He's still somebody that I can call on and I can send a text to and, and, and I don't have to, to worry that he's mad at me if, if he doesn't text me back immediately because I know he's a busy guy. But he's always, he always gets back to me. He's always someone who I can trust. I look forward to times that I get to, to spend with him um, watching the NBA Finals at, at camp meeting usually, sitting at Buffalo Wild Wings. Um, but, but you don't get joy and pleasure of that kind of friendship without the risk. If you don't know them well enough for them to hurt you, then how can it be a true friendship? You have to care enough to make yourself vulnerable. You're not looking for, for hurt and pain. We're not, we're not sadistic. We're, we're, allowing, we're making this availability for ourselves to be hurt so that the payoff is that much better through friendship. Jesus made himself available to be hurt. He made himself available to die because of his love for us. Fourth thing. Kind of goes hand in hand. Share your brokenness. Brokenness is the, is the basis of, of a good friendship. And I don't mean the enemy of my enemy is my friend. I think there's a lot of us in here that, that you know, even if you don't like the Gators, we can agree that we hate FSU. <laughs> we hate FSU, so let's be friends. That's not true friendship. Too many times people unite over things they don't like. And what ends up happening? If you have somebody that you get, and, and I'm, you can probably think of that person. You guys hate the same thing. And every time you're around each other, we talk about how much, oh yeah, we hate this. Oh yeah, that's a terrible thing. Oh, this is so bad. And what ends up happening? It's not a true friendship. You share something in common, but when it's all negativity, there's nothing growing out of that. That's not healthy. Sharing your brokenness goes hand in hand with being vulnerable because you allow them to see you at your truest. And when a friend shares their brokenness, you're able to more clearly see your own brokenness. And let me tell you, self-awareness is the key to becoming a better uh, Christian, becoming a better follower of Jesus. A friend won't take away your brokenness, but a friend helps ease the pain. 
So when someone shares their brokenness, we're able to see our own brokenness in them, and it brings us together like nothing else will. Similar to having things in common, like I said a minute ago, it's like someone else feels this way too. I've been carrying this burden around for years thinking that, that yeah, I've been friends with people, but, but they don't know this pain. And we realize that there are other people out there, and God places people in our lives and in our past that we can share our brokenness with because it helps us to understand our own brokenness as well. In that, God is able to work and establish us. The last thing, we need to bless others without reservation. We need to bless other people. A lot of our, our friendships are based on need, but we decide to be the kind of person in someone's life that always blesses them. That's what's necessary. We have to be there. Look, I'm, I'm, I'm going to uh, be, be very transparent here because in a very difficult time in my life, it was one of the most productive seasons as far as ministry goes in my entire life. Yet financially, we were at our, our, our rope's end. And the ministry of this church helped provide for my family in a time that we were unable to on our own. So because of, of Rocky and Mandy's leadership and because of your generosity, my family was actually able to, to have Christmas in a time when I couldn't provide for my kids. He blessed me. You blessed me. You blessed my children. We need to be encouragement benefactors. We need to be the kind of people that just pour life into someone else. It's not contingent on somebody else paying attention to us, or even if they love you back, but we just be a blessing in somebody else's life. We just tell them how much they're loved. We speak into their identity. We look at someone and tell them how valuable they are, to not just to, to the church, which is good. We need to tell people that they're valuable in the ministry that they serve in, but we need to tell people how valuable they are to us as individuals. I, I love you because you are worthy. I love you because I just feel like you need to be told that today. I want to pour that into as many people's lives. And that's how we more accurately reflect the heart of the Father. When we show His love and we speak it into the lives of others, people need to hear that they are loved and that they are cared for. Because every friendship is not just two people. Every real friendship, every genuine friendship that is God-blessed is between one person, another person, and God is in the middle of it. And that was what the heart of Jonathan's relationship, that's where that connection came with them. God was in the middle of it. There's a way that they're sharing love to God through their love for each other. In my conclusion here, I want to invite the McKinley family forward and, and the staff and council, if you would come as well. I want to take a few moments at the conclusion of my portion of the service here to, to bless this family, pray over them. As those that are going to pray or come, I'm encouraged the, the congregation, if you as well, just stretch your hand this way as we bless this family. Father, you are amazing to have, have put a calling on this family's life. All the things that they have gone through from the time that they were young and it was just Rocky and Mandy, they've gone through so, so many dark and difficult times, but they've seen your hand of healing. They've seen your hand of provision. They've seen your hand guide them through the, the difficult storms and bring them to a place of destiny. 
They have come to this place where, where their impact is felt, not just in this community, but their impact is felt globally. And God, I thank you, and I ask that you bless them today. Pour into them a blessing beyond what they've ever known. Let the next year of their ministry be the most fruitful. Let the next days of their life be the most productive that they've ever been. And let them feel the warmth of your embrace in everything that they do. Father, fill them with your spirit. Empower them as an Acts 1-8 power, that they are the witnesses uh, through Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. The de Destiny is their, uh, uh, Destiny Community Church is their Jerusalem. Newberry is their Jerusalem. The, the surrounding area is their Judea, and the entire state of Florida, the world, everything, it radiates out from the blessing that begins here with that one Acts 1-8 blessing, God. May your spirit amplify everything that they do. God, I pray for Caleb that, that you would continue to open doors in his life. God, you've done so much for him through the years. God, I've seen him from a little boy grow into a man. And I'm so proud of the, the work that you're doing and the doors you're opening. God, let it be an amazing time for him. Lord, you have gifted Mandy with the gift of motherhood. You have gifted her with compassion. You have gifted her with so many things that she is using here at Destiny Community. And I pray that you expand that influence to be global as well. That as Kendall is not here, she is on the other side of the world, but Kendall is, is operating in that blessing that she got from her Proverbs 31 mother. Expand that in Jesus' name. Thank you for Rocky's friendship, God. I thank you for him uh, continually connecting with me, even in times when I didn't deserve it. I thank you that he has invited me here today so that I can pray this blessing over him, so, so that you can do amazing things in his life. You have done so much already, God, but this next season, moving uh, into that new facility is, is just going to explode. God, your blessing is going to be greater than it ever has been because he has been a blessing to others. And I thank you, Father. I thank you for this family. I thank you for this church, this staff, for those that have sown into my life and the lives of, of thousands and thousands of others. God, let it be the beginning, not the end. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the podcast of DCC. For service times and directions, log on to www.destinycommunitychurch.org. Thanks again for listening.